Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 64 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Marico. <laughs> I'm enjoying this little ditty that well, we have playing right now. This is our first sample. We've we've been told that maybe we could do with a new jingle. So this is our first foray. Oh. Oh. Uh. Wait. <laughs> a little snap. So It's a funky little ditty right there. It makes me want to makes me want to move a little bit. I don't know. A little bit. So we're not saying that that is the new song, but that is a sample. It's I'll, um, I'll make a couple more and then we'll just decide, I guess. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely a possibility. That's for I sure. I mean, it woke me up a little more than the old one, but the old one feels like family, Jacob. It does. It's been so <laughs> it's long. Been so, it's been 63 episodes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I suppose now we're in season two, so to speak. So we season had Season two, is that it? I feel like we're in tune. season <laughs> million billion. Um, but anyway, okay, so here we are. It's early, but it we have early. a lot to talk about. We do. I think we both went to the movies uh, last week. Yes, indeed. To see Us. Yeah, we did go to see that. The new so, Jordan Peele. Us. Soon to be horror, quote unquote, classic. <sighs> So we can't really talk about it a lot because it's very easy to spoil. Yeah, I think we pretty much almost said too much already. <laughs> you said Jordan Peele. Yeah. That was, I think <laughs> that part was known. Um, but we should talk about it a little. So I would say it's been getting a ton of press. as like It's the new It movie. Everybody's loving it. It's a horror film. It Jordan de- Peele is like adored. It debuted with the highest opening weekend for a uh, original horror movie ever. I get it. I get it's a great sophomore film. It shows that you know he hasn't lost it after Get Out. But my feelings, I'll just start with, and because I think we felt a little differently about it, um, it was definitely not Get Out. No. It was not the same film. It wasn't at the same caliber to me. I thought this movie was was good. It was creepy. Um, I really liked the atmosphere. We had some amazing performances. Lupita Nyong'o, I mean... Well, that was one thing I was going to mention. Like, it's better acted just by her alone. She's cause... fantastic, but it reminded me of Tony Collette in Hereditary, where I'm like, well, they should definitely ignore yeah. you for all awards because you were really good. Um... And I think people, if anyone saw the trailer, has an idea that there is a family going on vacation and then they are met by another family in red jumpsuits that are wearing their faces. <laughs> like yeah. They look exactly like them. So you get that from the trailer. That's, you know, pretty much how the movie starts. Um, I'm going to say good movie, creepy, but I thought he just totally lost it in the final third of the film. I felt like he really lost the thread. It got a little ridiculous. I feel like allegories that he was trying to create throughout were just kind of hitting you on the head at the end. Um, And I thought it would have been predictable if it had made sense. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know know what people take from that, but I don't know. I don't think we're too different there on the our viewpoint. Actually, I kind of I enjoyed the first three-fourths of the movie and then the same way i felt like at the end he kind of like lost it when they it started did, right? explaining what was going on and i was like mm, i don't know about that yeah once you started explaining it i was like that that's not a good explanation because there's just there's too many plot holes and i'm okay with plot holes and things especially if they have some sort of you know fantastical element to it i'm like well it's fantasy yeah it's horror it i don't have to you know take and it as gospel don't but take this movie too seriously it was asking me a little too much. So I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. 
I'd say, that's I, yeah, I'd, say that, I'd say that's a very fair assessment. Okay. There's some funny stuff in there. There's a lot of horror. It's you know, it's not. It's pretty good. Not as good as Get Out, but still a very good follow up. I do feel it's though, not bad. That's what I want to make like make sure. About no, it's definitely not bad. It's worth seeing. Um, but I feel like Jordan Peele is at a moment where good for him. But like you can't do wrong, and the internet is just going to love and worship you, which almost kind of builds. Where you're like, oh my god, I'm so excited, and then you can almost, you can only be let down, because it's just hyped too much well, to, to live up to. Yeah, it. and he's got the the Twilight Zone premiering soon, which so. also looks cool. But I'm like, stop talking about him, or you're gonna ruin him. Yeah, and you, he's good. So you think they're gonna do another story about uh, something on a wing? I think that they're going to. Please, I have to be on a plane soon, and I am terrified of flying, so I can't really think about creatures but it, but being it star- on a wing. It stars Adam Scott. So it's going to be fun. No, I know. But honestly, as much as I like Adam Scott, the John Lithgow in that role, you're not topping it. What you about, are not topping it. What about the Bill Shatner? He started the role. Yeah, that's true, too. There's I don't even really remember. on the wing. I don't remember that thing. <laughs> that was your best yet. Thank that you. That was a Thank very you. good impersonation. Um, okay. So, yeah. Jordan Peele, Twilight Zone does look cool. Yeah. I hope I'm able to watch that. Go check out us. Watch look Twilight out. Zone. Come pick out Get Out at your local library. It's yeah, available. If you haven't seen Get Out, which you have get to. out of here. Yeah. Huh? What? Oh, I See like what I did, you did. Jacob? Oh, oh, I got it. Thank you. I just got it because, you know, uh. I'm a little delayed. But um, OK. And then I want to mention to you in case you need a moment to take it in. If you're going to be bummed, this episode is our last for the next two weeks. We're going on a little spring break. Yeah. Somebody's okay? got to go partying. I don't know if I'm going to be OK. <laughs> It's I've just, thought about it. It's just two weeks, though, Jacob. It's not just two weeks. It's not just two weeks. It's no. it's because bigger deal to you. So we will be back on April 22nd with a new episode. Um, I'm actually going out of town. I'm going to Cuba, I believe is how I'm supposed to say it. I don't, <laughs> so, well, I don't know if you're supposed to say <laughs> it like that, that actually, but we're going with it. Do you know that Cuba is often called um, El, El Cayman or El Coco? Codrillo? I don't believe you. Did I sound like a native speaker? I was like, are we in Cuba right now? (laughs) But anyway, that's Spanish for alligator, and that's what the island looks like from an aerial view. It looks like a giant alligator. Does it really? It does. I never thought of that. That's pretty cool. Uh, Okay, so Cuba's government is a communist single-party state that has been headed by a member of the Castro family for many decades. Um, And so back in the day, they used to depend greatly on the Soviet Union to stabilize their economy. And then when the Soviet Union collapsed, Cuba went through a time that's been termed the special period, which really that's that's, what it's called. That's what they've called it, which I mean, their economy rapidly declined. And then their relationship, you know, really fell apart with the U.S. and U.S. citizens haven't been able to travel there. And well, you know, you'll put nuclear bombs on your island. It kind of has a chilling effect. Do you know, I read something. I didn't write it down, but that the U.S. pays Cuba like four thousand dollars a month to rent Guantanamo Bay. And since they started doing that, Cuba has never accepted the money. Really? They so sh- you should. I'm I like, like where, that. Where is this bank account? Now, now it's just getting to be stubborn at this point. That's a lot of money built. Well, up, man. I mean, so in in 2015, the U.S. sort of restored diplomatic relations with them after being at odds for 54 years. So I'm ready to see what's going on there. You gonna go do some uh, some dancing? 
Possibly. I'm definitely going to watch some salsa dancing. Get up and down. I'm going to drink some rum. Getting some inspiration. I'm going to smoke team. a cigar even though they're disgusting. Yeah. I mean, you have to, right? That's I think I things, think it's law. It's yeah, one of the things Cuba's <laughs> most famous for is those cigars. Yeah. The dude who ran the nation. That was his old thing. A big old bushy beard, a green hat, and a cigar. There you go. And maybe I'll go see um, where Hemingway hung out. I guess he kind of is responsible for creating the daiquiri there. Really? Yeah. Ugh, these alcoholic you know, they back really, in the day. Um, but yeah, so we were talking about Cuba and just about kind of like the, the revolutionary periods that they gone through. And then it got us thinking about uh, other revolutions and then just films about revolutions. Da, 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 da. We have reached today's topic. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that works. Yeah, revolutionary we, films. We got that. We got to that real quick. There's a there's a lot of them out there. There are. There were a lot of really old ones, too, where I was like, oh, I'm pretty underwatched in this field. Like, a lot of them I was not familiar with. I know. I was like, when I was doing some Google work, I was uh, looking at the cover art on a lot of these, and I was like, wow, that movie just looks like it was made in the 1940s. There's, like, not a real picture on any of these. Oh, yeah, no, there was there was a lot of them. One of them, too, a couple, like, propaganda videos came up. One of them I might even talk about just because it was sort of fascinating in, in what it was, where I'm like, wow, these were these were happening. Yeah, this was a whole thing. Um, okay, so let's start, I think, with the one that is most relevant um, would be Che. So that was a two-part movie. My did you man, see that? I did. It's my man Benicio it's right It's a there. long film, but it's <laughs> it's really good. Long is an understatement. It's true. So it's so Che won. So that's the first part of this epic two-part. Yeah, uh, which should give you an idea just how long. This is one movie that they had to cut into two parts. They definitely like, did. No. Um, and it is about the Argentinian doctor uh, who turned into a global revolutionary, Che Guevara, who, as Jacob said, is played by Benicio del Toro. Um, and it's really interesting the way like he's either depicted as like a saint of revolution in some circles or as a ruthless executioner. So it's a really interesting to take a character like that and create the film around him. And it's it was done by Steven Soderbergh. And... What a what a great filmography that guy's got. We'll have to do a thing on him one day. Oh yeah, and I really liked what he did with this film where he didn't feel the need to define Che. Like it's not written either from like the point of view of history, but from uh, Che Guevara's own point of view on like a day-to-day basis and the process of um, overthrowing the Batista regime in Cuba and then failing to repeat that success in Bolivia, which that didn't go so well for him. So it's based on his writings and then the second film kicks off in like 1955 with um, uh, Guevara signing up to Fidel Castro's campaign to overthrow Cuba's uh, Batista regime. So it kind of moves through all of that. Yeah, it's very like I said, successful it's long. campaign there. It, yeah, long, long. Yeah, we started watching it last week. We're just about done with it at this point. <laughs> we choose to stop it, but it's like it's not really a war movie or a revolutionary movie in some sense. I feel like it's really about one man's unrealistic compulsion to stay his course no matter what. Yeah, it's a, like a character study kind of movie. Kind of, yeah. I'm I mean, he, he lived a very fascinating life. He was a very determined man. Yeah, he's not just the guy that you see on all those hipster t-shirts around college campuses. Like, there's a whole thing behind, like, why he was, like, as famous as he was. I think a lot of people forget about the Bolivia thing, and they just remember 
Oh, yeah. Like that best about the Cuba part. Yes. And I mean, that, but that's why he's remembered differently depending on what country we're looking yeah. at. Guy's got a 500 record. He was one and one on this whole revolution thing. <laughs> there you he, go. You gave it a shot. That's still a Hall of Fame batting it's average. So. That's the way Jacob sees everything. So so it's definitely a, a good film. Check it out. Just, you know, clear out your, your afternoon to get it all in. Afternoon for, yeah, clear your weekend <laughs> to get it all in. It'll be fine. Possibly. All right. What do you have? <laughs> all right. So I am a big fan of any time they have major American events where it does not star a single American, as you know. So I decided to go with The Patriot, starring Mel Gibson and Heath Ledger, both noted Australians. Oh, yeah, that is true. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Noted Australians, and then Jason, Jason Isaacs, the Englishman. At least he's playing to type. So if you have not seen this movie... Um, I like this movie. It's a good movie, surprising. Yeah. I kind of thought it was going to be bad when I first saw it. Uh, so it's from 2000, uh, stars Mel Gibson and Heath Ledger. Uh, it stars him as Benjamin Martin, who is like an amalgamation of a bunch of different revolutionary figures. Okay, so, so not based on one no, specific real it's person. Base, it's kind of like sitting around like Francis Marion and, st- and uh, mm-hmm. Nathaniel Green is basically the basis that they use for him. Okay. Um, but he plays this former guy from the French and Indian War who was like this, he has a very big uh, legend built around him about something that he did at this French fort that like all the Americans love. Uh, but anybody who's French can't despises the guy. So basically, he gets caught up in revolutionary fever because his son Heath Ledger um, gets like sucked up into the frenzy and wants to join the revolution and yeah. does. And then, of course, the war comes to his doorsteps when Jason Isaacs, Colonel Tavington, uh, comes through and burns his farmhouse and takes his son captive and kills one of his children, which basically is the pl- template for how you start a revolutionary. Yeah, that, that checks the boxes. So the guy goes from being like a anti-fighting to be one of the key figures in the beginning of the American Revolution. And such a good movie. I did not, it was directed by Roland Emmerich, most known for being a terrible director for movies such as 2012 and Independence Day. And he actually did a pretty good job with this movie, especially when it came to like the fight scenes. And you can't deny when you look at Mel Gibson at this time, who was you know pretty much at his peak in the 2000s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we loved Mel then. And then Heath Ledger was just starting out, but you could already see there was like a big star quality to him, considering what he would come into like less than a decade later. Yeah. Before his untimely death. So it's a good choice. Yeah, it's a very fun movie. It's always good with the American Revolution, even though spoiler alert, the U.S. wins in the end. Oh, come, I didn't. I know. I mean, you know, it's been 200 years or so. It's, <laughs> it's a good thing you gave notice. Yeah. So, yeah, go check it out, everybody. It's a kind of a forgotten one, a little bit more popcorny than Che. Like you're gonna have, you're gonna be able to have a little more fun watching this one. Yeah. Sometimes some have to be a little heavier. Like, okay, so the next one, um, which is based on a graphic novel, but it's Persepolis, which came out in 2007. It's based on Mar Jan Satrapi's graphic novel. Did you ever read that? No, I didn't. You actually. didn't? No. Did no. you not watch the movie either? Nope. Oh, didn't see either one of them. Dude, you are totally missing I, out. I'm getting like my information from you that I should Okay, so it's about her pre and post revolutionary life in Iran and then in Europe. So it kind of it, it traces her growth from child to rebellious. Like she's a punk loving teenager in Iran. Yeah. Um and like it's crazy of like what Iran was during this time. Like I'm talking like band t shirts, chilling out long hair blowing in the wind and like all this is going on in the background of the growing tension of the political climate in Iran in the 70s and 80s so she has members of her family are liberal leaning 
And as things start to change with the Shah, like they end up being detained and then they're executed. And then like the Iran-Iraq war started. And it's just kind of her remembering the first nine or 10 years of her life in Iran is just like super dope and great, Um, you know, music and teenager stuff. And then everything changed and her and her mother, her grandmother have to now like shroud their faces from the views of men. Makeup is forbidden. Um, Anything Western was forbidden. Women can't drink. They can't smoke. And she ends up leaving and going to Paris. And that's where she wrote these graphic novels, which became bestsellers. And the film is animated. So it looks just like her graphic novel. The I like film, that. It's uh, it's emotionally powerful. It's super dramatically enthralling. I highly recommend. I did not know about Iran before this. Like to me, because it's just been as long as we've kind of been alive. That's been Iran, you know. Like these so, very strict women are covered up. It's very anti-Western, and like it wasn't like that at all. Like the early scenes, I'm like it. It looks like here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because like when they did it in um. Oh, what's that Ben Affleck movie where they. Argo? Argo, yeah. That's another one where they kind of, they give you quick glimpses that, like, there was a lot of more modern kind of stuff a, with a the youth A different leader on. takes over and things change in huge ways. Yeah. It's kind of mind-blowing, but that's an excellent film. The animation is super cool. It works really well for the film. I, I know when I was, like, looking at it, I would see the cover and then I would read what it's about and it'd just be like, I ran so far away. I don't know <laughs> what to go. I'm going to slide that in there and wa- um, watch that movie or read the book because... Like, I can't really... I think you'd really like it. The graphic novel, it's a two-parter. I mean, oh. it's really, really good. I do enjoy thick books, as we all know. So. It's not even that. They're like two thin ones. Kind of like Mouse. Oh, okay. You know okay. what I mean? Like, just the, but the that kind one of like I, different periods of time. That one I did read. I did read Mouse. So. Yeah, yeah. So definitely check that out, everybody. All right. So next, I went decided to go back to one of the ones, one of my favorites. Because, you know, I'm a musical fan, mm-hmm. as we know. <laughs> so I decided to go to the French Revolution... I was waiting uh, for this. Yeah, it connects into the American Revolution as well, so figure that out. But I decided to go with Les Mis, the 2000, or you know, 2001 from a couple of years ago. Um, You just can't get enough Russell Crowe, that's why. Oh, that voice, silky smooth. Like, it just puts you right to sleep. (laughs) Okay. Um, But yeah, if you haven't seen this musical, it's one of my favorites, folks. Like I said, do yourself a favor. Go get some wine. Get yourself a good cry on as you're watching this You know, movie. not to disappoint you, but I did not enjoy that movie. Did you really? Yeah. Why? Is it too too much? I don't know. Yeah. I really can't. I can't tell you for sure, but I was just like, mm. I liked Anne Hathaway, though. I thought she did a really good job. She, she made me feel really sad. She was good. Yeah, well, that, that like makes She sense. really did, yeah. <laughs> she was good. Uh, Hugh Jackman is excellent as always. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Redmayne, I for, kind of forgot, was in that movie till I went back and looked at He's it. He's a talented like, fellow. Yeah, I'm like, he is in there, and he does have a pretty decent singing voice. Um, but it's based on the novel by Victor Hugo. Um, it's basically about how the French Revolution kind of sparked... And it's like a backdrop. The whole second half of it is basically couched in the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first half is all about the Jean Valjean getting tr- chased by Russell Crowe, trying to throw him back in jail because he stole a loaf of bread yeah. to feed my family. Yep. I assume it's That's, something along those lines. I was like, we're on Broadway right now. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm like, well, I just got transported with yeah. it a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, if you're looking for a great musical, well acted, put a ton of money behind it, which I always feel like makes movies better been proven i mean it's science right sure jacob (laughs) (laughs) go check it out go read the book too i don't know if the book's any good because even for me that's a thick book that's a thick book yeah but go check them out guys um okay next one let's since we're down in the dumps of sadness let's talk about the film hunger i don't know what that is 
What? Steve McQueen's debut with Michael Fassbender? You're shocking me today. Steve McQueen and Michael Fassbender were never in a movie together. Are you just... I can't tell how how you're being. But it is about the 1981 hunger strikes by uh, Republican prisoners in Northern Ireland. It's about Bobby Sands. You know, hello, Bueller, Mm -hmm. Bueller. Okay. So (laughs) that's who Michael Fassbender plays. And... Um, it's about, it's a true story about a group of prisoners who, as they call it, took to the blanket with took? a dirty protest. What? Yeah. That's, huh? you have to look on? those up. Yeah, what's going on? In pursuit on? of their claims for recognition as political prisoners. So what that really means is they went on a hunger strike. Oh. And then Bobby Sands was the first one in that group, um, to die from it. I think 10 people ended up dying through the, the hunger strike. Hmm. Um, it's really interesting and it's. What I like about the film, I mean, Michael Fassbender is disgusting looking in it, so prepare yourself. It's really hard to watch. He literally looks like he's dying of starvation. Really? He's got like a Christian Bale machinist thing going on. I'm happy you warned me about that because, yeah, that can be a little jarring. That still bugs me from the machinist looking at that kind of stuff. And it's. What's interesting, so if you don't hold, like, your own personal opinion about the Irish Republican cause, um, like, you don't find one in the movie, because it's not about, like, the rights and the wrongs of the British in Northern Ireland, but it really focuses a lot about the inhumane prison condition, um, and then the determination of the IRA members, like Bobby Sands, and just the terrible sort of place that, that they were in, hmm. and what they had to do for their own revolution. The film is uncompromising and almost horrifyingly vivid but it's an excellent it's an excellent piece of of cinema you know what i just realized you were not talking about like the old steve mcqueen because i was thinking like the old 50s no. kind of, i'm like they, it was impossible that That's, those two were in a movie i thought you were just saying that because you were thinking 12 years a slave because no, I, it won so you were making a joke like obviously they've been in a movie together no i just remembered i'm like oh that is that director's name and now i am actually more interested in it now but like yes I was, like, what, I was confused not like, old white steve mcqueen young black steve mcqueen that is a okay that is, that is a heck of a mistake <laughs> yeah, yeah, to this make was right his there, debut folks. film Oh, okay. No, I never heard of it. I did not know that he had one. I thought like 12 Years a Slave was like him coming out hot. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, but he came out pretty hot with Hunger was definitely big on like the indie list. Oh, I'm so. definitely going to have to check that out. I do like Michael Fassbender, so I have to check that one out. Yeah, his body. Oof. Not horrifying. A, not a fan of that one? All right, let's spit a couple more out. All right. So the next one, I have to make a twofer on this one. So I'm going to go twofer. ahead. I am. It's going to involve England again. Big, big theme here. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Braveheart, the Mel Gibson directed. Mm, hey, mm-hmm. more Mel Gibson. Directed uh, Best Picture winner, the epic story of William Wallace and how he started the revolution to get Scotland free from Yeah, I think we're, we're all pretty familiar with that one. Yes, but another one that goes along with that is uh, The Outlaw King, which is a recent Netflix movie that is out on DVD oh, as well. Yeah. With uh, Chris Pine, which basically acts as a sequel to Braveheart. Does it? Because he plays Robert the Bruce, who is in Braveheart. He, uh, you know has the big climactic scene at the end where he's like, remember William Wallace? And they all scream freedom, and then the screen goes, cuts to black. Um, but it stars Chris Pine, and it tells the story of how the revolution that William Wallace uh, started, how it ends, and how in, um, Scotland actually got their independence, and how Robert the Bruce got himself crowned king. Okay. So it's actually a very good uh, companion piece to go along with it, because you always kind of wonder, like, how does this one battle that they apparently win somehow that we don't even get to see how does that like completely end the revolution? Why does England go home? This movie kind of gets into how that happens, why that happens, the effects. Um, for the ladies, there is a completely naked Chris Pine at certain points of this movie multiple times. Okay. So that's something to look forward Appreciated. to. Appreciated. Um, 
but it's actually a pretty good movie. I'm happy that Netflix is starting to put money into productions because now you get ones like this where it would have been kind of a middle-of-the-road, kind of forgotten movie. But it's actually pretty well-made. Looks excellent. That's excellently acted. Yeah, I kept seeing it pop up. I'm interested in it. Yeah, so if you enjoy Braveheart, check this one out because there's a lot of similarities in the aesthetic and who doesn't want to get that story resolved? Kind of leaves you hanging a little bit there. So I don't remember the ending of... I mean, I remember, but not as well. I guess I could do a Braveheart rewatch. Well, we got like, some long movies to watch. Yeah, he, he yells freedom. He throws a sword. They run at the screen. Don't never take off freedom. And he's blue. Yeah, it I, ends in a voiceover. I'm going to also go into another really long movie. We just want people to be at home <laughs> on their weekends watching these. Of course. Um, but have to mention it is the movie Red. Reds. Oh, the Warren Beatty one? You know it. 1981. It's um, about the American journalist John Reed. That's who Warren Beatty plays. And it's he journeys to Russia to document the Bolshevik Revolution. And, like, he returns totally changed. Like, he returns as a revolutionary. So his fervor for left-wing politics lead him to the woman in the film is Diane Keaton. They end up getting married. She's a huge activist. And then politics at home become more complicated. Um, as the riff kind of grows between right reality and like his new ideals. Um, so in the 1920s, he participated in fights between factions of the Socialist Party and the New American Communist Party. He ends up going back to Moscow. It doesn't it doesn't end well for him, we'll say. Um, but he ends up dying in Moscow, and he is the only American who is buried within the Kremlin walls. Really? Yeah. So that's really interesting. And this film was really Warren Beatty's baby. He like nurtured it for like a decade. He found the financing. He wrote most of the script. He produced it, directed it, and starred in it. I didn't even know it was a real story. I actually kind of thought it was just like oh yeah, the real journalist. Yeah, and it really it really changed him. So definitely a very interesting revolutionary film. Um, Russian Revolution, another one that people don't talk about very often. Like, and there's so much. There's so much to. To take yeah, in. outside of a random Disney movie here or there, like nobody ever really gets into it. And it's yeah. uh, actually a pretty fascinating little revolution there. Oh, t- if <laughs> a little called, bit horrifying. You called it a, the little revolution. Well, we don't want to get into the there. weeds about what actually <laughs> yeah, yeah. went down in yeah. that revolution. It's, it's pretty horrifying, guys. But that's, but it's a long film too. So. Yeah. 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 Okay, let's do a couple more. All right. So uh, I was over at uh, MOD. Hair and dye, getting my hair cut this past weekend. Your hair looks lovely. Thank you. By the way, yeah. I wouldn't have minded some color. I mean, you couldn't get well, it dyed. I'm sure uh, Lila's listening, so I'm sure she's gonna <laughs> go ahead and put, do that next time. I'm gonna come with frosted tips next oh, time. Oh, I would be so happy! Oh my god, <laughs> frosted tips. Go back in the day with that. Oh, okay. Um, but she actually made a suggestion. So she was uh, watching movies with her kids the other day, and she was like, "Hey, what about?" Uh, like Star Wars, isn't that like a revolutionary tale? And I'm like, you know what? It sort of is. But everybody already knows the story of the original Star Wars. True. So I'm going to go ahead and suggest uh, Rogue One, which is one of their more recent offshoot movies. Have you seen that one? I know this is not a, like against the film, but I definitely fell asleep during it. During Rogue One? Oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. I was tired. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so I missed a lot. I don't know if I'll be journeying back. But despite Michelle's uh, <laughs> four-star review for that movie. Um <laughs> It is a story of basically how the rebellion is formed, like actually gets off the ground and actually starts fighting against the Empire as they steal plans for the Death Star, which is talked about in the original Star Wars movie for about three seconds. Okay. And the director was like, hey, I can make a movie out of that. And he did. And I thought it was a very excellently done movie. Um, If you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to love it. There's things you're going to like in there. 
top to bottom. If you're like a tangential fan, you should enjoy it too because it kind of, it does connect some of the dots. There's a lot of good action in there and a pretty fun, engaging story that's pretty dark in its own tale. This is not a happy Star Wars movie, folks. Don't go in here expecting to leave with a huge smile on your face. Yeah, don't do that. It's not going to happen. And but stay awake. Yeah, stay awake. It, it usually <laughs> helps the, the cases of the movies. Uh. If, you can, if you can make through the other ones, you'll be fine here. Okay, so the next one I'm going to bring up, I know this is like one of our favorites, and then that'll probably be it. Then I have to me- just mention something, but V for Vendetta. Oh, man. Yeah, totally Great counts. Movie. So we are in the year 2020 in this film. Um, a virus ends up running wild in the world, so most Americans are dead, and now Britain is ruled by a fascist dictator who promises security Um, but not freedom. So this vigilante, known only as V, who's played by Hugo Weaving, this was like the time of Hugo Weaving in 2005 when this came out. Yeah, and he is in top form in this movie. He is excellent. And he uses terrorist tactics to fight the oppressors of this world that they're now living in. He ends up saving a young woman named Evie, who um, Natalie Portman plays from the secret police. Friend of the show, of course. I wish. And... Um, you know, kind of discovers an ally in her as they fight the oppressors. So the one line from the movie that, I, you know, I just always love in my own political viewings is where V says that people should not be afraid of their government. Governments should be afraid of their people. So, I mean, maybe that's not like something you can totally live by, but he has a, a totalitarian state to overthrow and he only has a year to do it. So we have to watch him really improvise a revolution. And it's Awesome. Yeah. He decides to go back to the old ways with the uh, the thing Guy Fox was trying to do, blowing up yep. Parliament, which is you know very famous. Thus, the Guy Fox mask that's mask that is everywhere after that still which pops up on Halloween. I think people don't even realize what that all is about. What was the story behind that? Mm-hmm. They're just like, hey, this is a cool looking mask. It's probably yeah. like a jester or something. And then quickly, I just want to mention something that that we own that's really fascinating. It is something that is naive and dated but fascinating. It is called I Am Cuba from 1995. This okay. this was hidden away in the Soviet ar- um, archives for three decades, and it is an, an anti-American propaganda film. Awesome. That's what it is. It was made by the Cuban Soviet, uh, like a co-production, and it was kind of snatched from oblivion and restored and released in the United States um, by Martin Scorsese and Francis Coppola. Hmm. Just because, like I said, because it is so fascinating. And it, it has, like, the film's, you know, predetection of a, a brave new world under Fidel Castro, you know, that was going to result in this utopia for Cubans is not at all what happened. No. And it kind of shows, like, those who suffer under one of the most dismal bureaucracies, um, you know, knowing that and watching the film, I think, just makes it a really interesting piece of history. Yeah. So if you're into that, but be prepared, like that's what you're getting. This is an anti-American propaganda film. But because of that, it's it's very, very interesting enough that these major filmmakers felt the need to, you know, restore it so that you can just kind of see a piece of history. Is there anything more American than we just like somebody makes a completely anti-American? And we're like, I'm interested. Yeah, we find it. We watch it. We're like, huh, this is great. Look at these guys. It's actually well shot, too. There are some really beautiful scenes in it. So. It's actually good filmmaking in that sense, in the way that it looks. Yeah, that's a lot. Not so much the message. Yeah, it's kind of like when you look at some of the old German Nazi movies. Like, they are excellently made. Maybe don't pay attention too much to the the story. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough call of, like, content over the quality of it. But, like I said, if you're interested in it. Yeah, go check it out. 
We got them all, everybody, at all 37 branches of the Buffalo Well, Indiana you just Public slid right Library, in. All, <laughs> all over Erie County. Uh, if we don't got something, let us know. We'll have it delivered either by request or we'll bring our little bookmobile around. This, I don't know, Jacob, this feels weird for me with our jingle going. It might feel weird, but you just kind of got to go with it, Michelle. Unst, unst, yeah. unst. Okay. There you go. There you go. Well, you guys should see these moves. It's it's breathtaking, let me tell you. <laughs> also, don't forget to check out our episodes. We are available for free on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. So don't forget to check us out. Subscribe. Leave a review because it helps us out a lot because then we get pushed higher up the ratings. Yeah, we love that. And people find us. And, of course, do not forget to follow us on Twitter at AllBookedUpPod. We're talking books and movies and interesting things that are happening in the world. So follow us there. Yeah. Get to uh, interact with the both of us. So if you have a question. Or you can definitely say, tell who is posting because I just feel there's a real difference. There's a definite there's a dichotomy difference. in our styles. That's for sure. I'll be going out of town Wednesday and it will be all Jacob for a week. So I pray for all of you. Very yeah. yeah, <laughs> Getting a lot of news about the Avengers, let me tell you. Oh, don't you dare. Avengers. Don't you sully this. Anyway, let's get some facts here. Some interesting things about Cuba. Cuba. Um, so first off, you won't be hearing from me because only 5% of the population of Cuba has access to the open internet. Oh, awesome. So that'll be, I will be offline I'm for sure. that, which is kind of great. I'm sure it's great quality, 5G over the entire island. I mean, possibly, but God, Cuba, I just talked myself out of that trip just by the internet. Well, <laughs> you should not because Cuba is the highest doctor to patient ratio in the world. There are so many doctors in Cuba that they're often sent abroad to countries with great need of medical professionals. They're they're silly with doctors in Cuba. They're They're silly with doctors. And I think that's because they're so educated. Cuba has a 99.8% literacy rate. Wow. Yep. It is one of the highest in the world. How is that not at the top? Who has 100? Ooh, that's some research I'm going to have to do. That just feels like Sweden to me or something along those. It does those. scream Sweden, It really it? does. Sweden. Sweden. Sweden, <laughs> Finland. Nope. New name, Sweden forever. <laughs> um, okay. Thanks so much. Again, we will be off for the next two weeks, but we will catch you after that. Bye.